a modern seller is agile. A modern seller is entrepreneurial. A modern seller is holistic, social, and an ambassador. So these are five capabilities that you, you work on building these in yourself and in your teams. It's going to help accelerate your success because it's going to make you better at the everyday skills of selling. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we have Amy Franco with us, and we're going to be talking about the modern seller, selling in the new sales economy. Welcome to the show, Amy. Steve, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, well, thanks for coming. And, and uh, just by way of introduction, Amy is one of the sales industry's leading voices, helping organizations transform sales culture and build high-impact sales leaders through her selling programs. She's recognized as a LinkedIn top sales voice, and she has had a successful B2B sales career working with global tech companies like IBM and Lenovo. Her book, The Modern Seller, Sell More and Increase Your Impact in the New Sales Economy, was named a top sales book of 2020 by Top Sales World. So really excited for this conversation, Amy. Um, let's jump into it. What, could you explain the concept of a modern seller, uh, how you see it and, and how it's evolved uh, to be what it is today? Yep, absolutely. And maybe I can share that in the context of my own sales journey. Um, I, we, and we were talking a little bit uh, before, before we jumped on here, just about my background. And for the first 10 years of my career, I was in technology. So I had a variety of sales roles, primarily all outside in, uh, in tech. I worked for IBM and I also worked for Lenovo. And you know, really in the end, I, I sold a commoditized product. I sold personal computing hardware. And I had a variety of customer sets, but one of my main customer sets was education. And I spent a lot of time with K-12 education customers in, in a number of states. And my journey to modern selling really began out of necessity because I found myself oftentimes stuck just competing on price. And if anybody watching or listening to, to this can relate to that, where you might find yourself with uh, price sensitive customers, RFP situations, and you're, you're, you're working to sort out who are my best customers that I can provide the most value to. And we have this really mutually rewarding relationship. And so that was my own journey to modern selling. And, and after, after losing some deals and really trying to figure out what am I not doing right here? What do I need to learn? What do I need to do differently in order to succeed? I really had to kind of dig in and look at myself and my approaches to selling and also look at the customers that would ultimately be the very best fit for what it was I was bringing to market. And so I wish I could say that this was an overnight trans transition. It was not. It probably took me a year or two to really get this figured out. But what I started to do is I, I like started with what I knew which was analyzing my customers and analyzing which ones I could really uh, affect and impact uh, greatly. And what, I, what started to come together after looking at my customers, my business partners, my products and solutions, I started to realize that instead of selling just, um, just product, I really had to figure out how to sell greater solutions and that my market needed to change. So instead of selling to everybody, I identified the niche in my market, which was um, schools that wanted to roll out mobile computing programs. And they wanted to take an educational approach and roll out these programs, which then really forced me to change and not just call on one set of um, stakeholders and decision makers in my customer set, but I had to go more broadly because I would call on IT directors, VPs of IT, I now had to talk with education specialists and uh, curriculum designers and leaders in those school districts to actually put together comprehensive mobile programs. So I could bring the best of what, what IBM and Lenovo brought to the table and also partner up with the right people, so creating the right partnerships. 
And after about a year of experimenting with this, I was able to really turn my territory around and become known as the expert in mobile computing programs, which is way different than someone who just sells PC and technology hardware. And so that was, it's a short version of a longer journey to becoming a modern seller. And what I took away from that was I really had to be part of that value equation for my customers, that connection between the products and the solutions and what they needed. And I also had to be seen as someone who was a real differentiator to my customers. And so those are two tenets of modern selling that I believe today are even more important in the midst of all the disruption that we've been facing. And um, it's a transition that all outside sales professionals, I believe, need to make so that you stay relevant and your, your customers see you as the differentiator in their business. Like that, uh, a modern seller is part of the value equation. That's that's a really great philosophy. I think is how, how where can I go to create the most value to which customers? You know, what's who's my ideal customer profile based on who do I create the most value for, and that differentiates you, especially in a commoditizing market. I mean, I I, I was when I was at IBM, it was a, a similar concept. You know, the the the, the, they sold the you know the the think pads and they then they changed that over to Lenovo and, and it was mm-hmm. a commoditizing product right they as a company they kind of gave up on it they were like ah how are we going to sell this differentiated you know H, HP and Dell are just crushing this out there and that, and that was even before you know Chromebooks and stuff changed the marketplace but the I well think, and if uh, you if you take yourself out of the equation like if your product or service or solution can be sold without you as part of the equation that you're you're eliminating your own value and then you've commoditized yourself and you've also commoditized what it is that you're bringing to market yeah well and and i I think uh frankly if the thing that you sell could just be sold over the internet and no one would have any questions about it you know like no one people just buy like in people just buy in certain retail environments, you don't need salespeople. In other retail environments, you do need a salesperson on the floor, right? And 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 it's important to you're going to create the most value selling things that really need a salesperson, right? And I think in general, companies make their right tend to make their right choices on this, right? They they hire they wouldn't hire salespeople if they could just you know rubber gloves get sold to doctors and uh medical device lasers get sold to doctors only one of them gets sold to the field salesperson and and i i think most people most companies are pretty good at choosing choosing that um but that's i guess it's philosophically it's important for people to do what you're saying is realize that they're there to be a part of the value equation and, and really create seek out to create value with their customers by uh by and, and through through what they give them and through they through what they communicate and and I and I believe in my in my own story that I could have continued on the path that I was going on, and I would have had a degree of success for sure. But really making the choice to figure out how I could be different and take different approaches um, that that excites me that challenge, and I I really love to figure out how can I take something and make it better. And really smart field salespeople. They, they they look at all the different aspects of their customer's business and they understand the business that their customers were in, which is what I had to learn. They understand their own business and then they're looking for unique ways to be different with, with their customers and with their prospects. Really sharp, smart outside sales professionals are continually looking for ways to do that. And I, I hear, I've heard you talk about the five modern skills that, uh, that salespeople need. Could you walk our listeners through the five modern sales skills and 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 talk about why salespeople should focus on improving them and what the best ways are to improve them to uh, to increase their their effectiveness as salespeople? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing is when I was researching for the book and and I wrote the book, um, I, I wrote it pre-pandemic, which is it's it's been an interesting journey, you know, since over the past three years. And in my conversations with people that pick up the book now, they they will comment and say, you know, it's like, other than the book doesn't mention the pandemic, you wouldn't know, like if you took the year off of the book, 
it's like the the concepts of modern selling and the concepts of that book are as relevant or even more relevant today than they were even when when I uh, wrote the book and published it. And the the catalyst for me to write that book was um, some of the just my own experience as a seller, but also my conversations with my customers. And this, uh, as I was watching and working with them, because in, in my work, I will work on a sales strategy and I will also work on skill development with uh, sales teams. So what I was noticing was this need or this, um, this development of what I call the skills behind the skills. So we still need the everyday skills of prospecting and qualifying and presenting solutions and closing, like all of those things that we're, that we're used to doing every, every day, every week. But I was noticing some other skills that are kind of skills behind the skills. And as I was researching, it, it really organized itself into these five capabilities that I see modern sales professionals and modern sales leaders needing to build. And if you work on building these five, it will make you better at the everyday skills of selling. So, so there are five, and um, maybe after I, after I give these five, we can dig in dig into the ones that that really resonate. So, um, a modern seller is agile. A modern seller is entrepreneurial. A modern seller is holistic, social, and an ambassador. So, these are five capabilities that you you work on building these in yourself and in your teams it's going to help accelerate your success because it's going to make you better at the everyday skills of selling. Um, so let me maybe take a pause there. And uh, do you want to dive into, want me to dive in a little bit more on, on each of those five? Yeah, it'd be great. Let me know what, you know, why is it important and how can, how can, uh, our, how can our listeners get better at each one of these things? Like, what does it mean to be agile you know, so what does it mean, I guess? And, and, and then yeah. also how, how can they become more agile? How do you, how do they get better at it? Yeah, absolutely. So let me, um, yeah, I'll go through each of the five and then I can also uh, come back to agility. So, so a modern seller is, is agile and really what that means is I, I, in terms of sales agility, the ability, someone who has strong sales agility, they are able to strategically and decisively uh, pivot. And whether it is it for their client growth or territory growth, whatever it is that they're looking at, but they can strategically and decisively pivot to help their clients be more successful and ultimately help themselves to be more successful. They can help, they can help their clients and customers anticipate what's coming next. They're looking and scanning the horizon for different trends that might be impacting their customers and, and their prospects. So it, it's that, that ability to help your customers navigate into the future because they're dealing with a lot of information overload and overwhelm. So really agile sellers can help their customers to filter that information and help them to make better decisions in navigating into the future. Um, a modern seller is also um, entrepreneurial, which means that they don't just see themselves as an employee of their organization. They really see themselves as the, the founder and the CEO and the chief bootstrapper of their sales territory. Um, and when you see yourself in that way, you make different decisions about the types of customers that you're taking on. You're looking at the top line of your territory, the bottom line of your territory. You're looking at your greatest opportunities, your greatest risks. You're thinking like an owner. And when you think like an owner, you will often make different, more strategic decisions about what is best to help grow the territory versus just looking at it on a deal by deal basis, um, if you will. Um, a modern seller is also holistic, which means that they look at things from a, uh, I call it supply chain thinking. Everything is connected. Whether you are a sales leader making a change to a sales professional's territory or perhaps what they might be incented on, a comp plan, or you are making a change in go-to-market strategy or a product that could impact um, a big chunk of your customers. All of these things are connected. And when you start to look at things in terms of a supply chain and you say, okay, if I make a decision over here or turn the dial over here, 
what's going to be the downhill effect um, over there. And this, this ability to look at things in a very interconnected way. Um, a modern seller is also social. And this is about building strategic relationships. Um, for anybody watching or listening who, you know, maybe you have a really large territory and you're thinking, all right, I know I need to build strategic relationships, but where do I start? And where do I want to invest my time? Modern sellers look at their territory and look at the verticals in their territory, look at their customer sets and make sure that they are spending time with influential leaders, strategic decision makers, key stakeholders, and they're really, they really see the value of building social capital and building those relationships because really the value of our relationships contributes to the value of our results. And then lastly, a modern seller is an ambassador. And uh, I look at this as being a bridge builder and building loyalty. A loyal customer is three times more likely to continue buying from us and to allow us to expand within their organizations, introduce us and uh, help us with client expansion. And those tend to be more profitable customers. So if we can amplify our loyal customers, we can not only grow with them, but they're likely to introduce us to other prospects that will then be our customers. And we can uh, use that as part of our client retention and also our client growth strategies. Um, so those, those are the five um, in a nutshell. And then the book goes into specific strategies. If you're a sales professional, how do you, how do you build these in yourself? If you're a sales leader, how do you build these in your team? So it's really a, a field book, a field guide, if you will. Very practical with specific tips. And, and we can certainly get into, into some specific strategies for each of those. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's super interesting is the, the educational side. Like, how do you actually make this tactical? How do you tactically become more agile and like, mm -hmm. you know, so you can pivot so that you can pivot strategically, decisively, you can anticipate what your customers um, are going to be, the, the choppy waters your customers are going to be entering, for example. Do you, is it becoming an expert in their industry? Is it, is it uh, doing deep dives and with, with all your customers into what's going on in their business? What, what, what do you recommend doing to, to become a more agile sales rep? Yeah, so so here's something really tactical that that a rep can do, and also if you're a sales leader, you can work on this with with your team, uh, with your individuals. Um, I like to think of it as busting old patterns, because there there is a fine line between a routine that serves us, it gives us structure and helps us to be successful, and that routine becoming a rut, something that used to maybe work for us in the past, but no longer works for us today, and you know, the, the disruption of the past three years is probably a great example of something where maybe routines pre-pandemic served us, but now they, they no longer, we've, we've had to change. So, um, so if I use myself as an example, um, I, was in the, I was in this prospecting rut a number of years ago. Like the things that I was doing and approaches I was taking that worked for quite a long time, they, they, just, weren't, they just weren't as successful as they were. And I, in all candor, I can't quite put my finger on why they weren't successful, but they just they just weren't working as well as they once did. And after some introspection and, and working with a coach, because I'm someone, uh, I, I'm a big believer in having outside perspective and having coaches, whether it's our sales leader or it's someone else, um, it helps me to uncover that you know, I probably had a couple of ruts that I needed needed to to work through, and I, I realized that prospecting was a rut. And when you when you're looking at your patterns, your patterns are a result of your um your environment and your behaviors, and they're very much interconnected. So what I realized was I'm sitting in my home office, and I had just fallen into this rut where being in my environment just wasn't working for me anymore. And so I needed to change both my environment and getting into an office environment. And also I needed to just change my behaviors. I needed to plan differently. I needed to work on my messaging and fine tune my messaging. So I had these behaviors that I needed to make some adjustments to. And when I pulled those levers of environment and behavior, I was able to accelerate my results. And a lot of times we don't see that in ourselves and we need someone to point that out to us. 
But that's an example of having to bust a pattern that was no longer working. And once I busted the pattern and made some slight adjustments to those areas of environment and behaviors, I was able to get out of that rut and be successful again. Very cool. That's very tactical, I think, too. I mean, everyone can probably sit down and think of an area they'd like to improve and then think about the patterns or habits that they've got going on in that area and how can they break those patterns or habits and replace them with better ones and upgrade them. I think that's something that everybody could, could learn from. What, what about the second one, entrepreneurial? Um, a modern seller is entrepreneurial. So they're the chief bootstrapper of their, of their sales territory. They think like an owner. I mean, I, I love this one myself and, and that's what, you know, field sales at its best is like you, you run your own small business and you get a slice of the revenue coming out of this territory. Um, but how can you make yourself think more like an entrepreneur? How can you, how can you train yourself to think like an owner or get in that headspace? Yeah. So, um, so again, this is something very tactical that again, if you're a sales professional, you can apply this to your territory. If you're a sales leader, this is something you could work on with your individual sellers on your team. So everyone has, most sellers have a defined territory of some kind, whether it's a geographic territory, it's a, a territory that's organized perhaps by industry or maybe the solution set area of expertise. But within that territory are going to be categories or uh, verticals, as I like to call them, where we can organize our efforts around. And really smart entrepreneurs know their verticals, and they also know who their key decision makers and stakeholders are in those verticals. So instead of looking at your territory as kind of a, a wild, wild west, if you will, if you can organize into some verticals and then use those verticals as a launching pad to look at your target customers and prospects in those verticals and who your decision makers and stakeholders are. It's, it's just, it's a way of organizing yourself that gives you the traction that you need to accelerate your efforts. So it's instead of being, um, instead of diluting your focus, really sharp entrepreneurs uh, hone their focus. They continually evaluate to make sure that they're on the right track. They'll make adjustments and pivot if they need to, but they keep that laser focus and let that unfold so that they can, can get to a result and then fine tune it from there. And what about the third one? Uh, a, a modern seller being holistic. So seeing the interconnectedness of 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 everything seeing things in terms of a supply chain how can how can a rep do that more yeah so so if i'm sitting in a rep shoes and i'm again if i can kind of play off the previous one of being entrepreneurial you can expand on that by um i would look at two things i would be looking first at the processes by which my customers and prospects um engage with me and buy my products and services Many times the way in which we um, sell is not always the way in which a customer or a prospect buys. There are sometimes some, some nuances. So if I understand the decision-making processes that my different buyers, decision-makers follow, then I can look for gaps and where my selling process or what we're doing as an organization may be falling short. So I would look at first that customer buying process and then I would look to connect it to how we operate internally as a company and look for where those gaps are. If I'm a sales leader, I might have my team do that as an exercise with your one or two best customers, because if they're your best loyal customers and you can dig in with them and understand what their buying habits and buying processes are, they're going to be really honest with you and tell you where the gaps are and also where you excel. So if I'm a leader, I'd like to know that about some of my top customers and then use that to be able to go back internally to fine tune some of some of the processes. Um, if you are a rep who sells into the channel, so I have clients who sell through distribution channels, I would look at the same thing with my distribution channels and my top business partners and really understand 
what we're doing well, where do we have gaps so that I can fine tune that process and that relationship because everything's, everything is connected. And especially if you're working through the channel, you have an extra connection point there between you and your customer. And, and what about uh, social? How can, how can a modern seller be more social? I am. Um, the social one's an interesting one because a lot of times the first question that somebody will ask is, well, is this about, you know, social media and, you know, having a better, better presence on social media? And, you know, I'm, I'm on social media as well. I'm, you know, I, I'm on LinkedIn a lot, you know, have a, have a social presence, but I am not a, I think that's just one way in which you connect with your customers and your prospective customers. And I like to look at this from a, like a strategic standpoint. And I believe that sales professionals who really put a lot of value into relationships, they're the ones that are, that are the most successful. But I think there's been an interesting, an interesting shift. And especially when it comes to building early stage relationships, and this has been a learning for myself as someone who's very relationship driven, is that sometimes we put a lot of um, emphasis on the relationship very early on, when instead what we really have is rapport early on. You know, you've met somebody for the first time, um, maybe they're a decision maker or a stakeholder in, in a prospect that, that you're looking, looking to um, potentially work with. We sometimes confuse relationship with rapport. And I believe that the road from rapport to relationship goes through your expertise and the value that you provide to that individual. So if we reverse the equation a little bit, especially in early stage relationships, and we really try to understand what's of value to that person and deliver on that value, we're going to earn more trust and have more credibility. And then we're going to be able to accelerate that relationship. So um, that's something, especially in early stage prospecting, that I have found to be a bit of a shift, especially for people who tend to be very heavily relationship focused and want to try to get to know people really well out of the gate. That's a quote. That, that, that's a quote right there. Through, through your expertise, you can turn rapport into a relationship. That's a, that's a very powerful thought. What, what about an ambassador? How can a modern seller um, be more a part of the value equation by being an, an ambassador? You know, some, some of the best, um, especially outside sales professionals that I've had the opportunity to work with, they have this really unique, um, they have this unique combination of traits. And they are someone who really stands tall in their own personal brand and being someone who's recognizable in the marketplace or in their industry. And they also espouse the values of their organization. So it's, it's, it's this balance between being someone who's known, but you're also a part of this organization. And what they're really excellent at is being a bridge builder. So they are the connecting point. So they are the connecting point between their customers and your organization. They are maybe the connecting point uh, into your communities. They're representing you as an organization uh, in, in the community. Maybe they serve on some boards and they have some, some you know, nonprofit passions or things like that where they are known, known quantities in their community. And what I have found that that brings, somebody who takes that kind of ambassador type of approach is because they become so well-known and they are so focused, they are focused on building loyalty. They're the rep that can take like an initial win. Like you get, you get that first like order from a customer that maybe your company's never done business with. And they shepherd it through the process so well. And they are that ambassador and that connector point that they can then turn that initial small win into a much bigger win and to loyalty with the customer. And now something that was small in year one is now this really fantastic relationship in years two and three that has now grown and you've built more notoriety and maybe you've used that as a springboard to build more customers in that space. Very cool. 
Well, now we know what a modern seller is. <laughs> this is this is fantastic, and there's some there's some some great takeaways there. Well, why do you think agility is so important? Why is it? I've I've heard that agility is one of the most sought after skills in in a modern workforce. Like when you're when you're hiring someone new, agility is one of the things you should be looking for. What? Yes. Why is it so important? And how can it? And how can a a salesperson be more more agile and agile? I guess we talked about breaking ruts, getting out of yeah. patterns, busting patterns. I think you said. Um, well, I guess why is this so important? And and what can we do about it? There was some research that was done by the Center for Creative Leadership, looking at the, the, the skills and traits that organizations were looking to hire for. 30 years ago, in the early 90s, the number one trait that organizations were looking to hire for was technical expertise, like your lane of expertise, how much you knew about, about your area. Um, fast forward 30 years, the number one skill that organizations are looking to hire for is um, they call it adaptability and versatility. I call it agility. Um, they also have a, a category there about learning agility, which um, is a little bit different, but it's all, it's all under that same umbrella. Agility is the set. It's the traits and the sets of skills that allow you to think on your feet allow you to make decisions with perhaps not all the information at, at hand. It's, this, it's the set of traits and skills that allows you to help your customers navigate into the future. And I believe it's one of the, one of the skill sets that helps you to be more strategic than reactive. So agility is one of the most important skills that a sales professional can have because it allows you to think quickly, to um, think strategically, to adapt to what's happening and to help your customers to adapt. And that is so much of what our customers are looking for from us today. They expect us to have working knowledge, of course, of our products and services or to have access to individuals in our organization but a sales professional can combine that knowledge with their ability to think and act quickly and decisively and help their customers to navigate. You become their trusted advisor a lot more quickly than if you didn't have those skill sets. Yeah, I think this is super important. And one of my tips here is to have conversations with your customers about what the most important things are that have changed in their business, what's developed in their business uh, over the net, over the last five years, 10 years, and get the stories, like really have them tell you the story about how they did it, why they did it, why it was so important, what tactically had to occur, what strategically had to occur, and really become an expert in how things change in the industries that you sell to this is particularly important if you're selling the same industry over and over again like if you sell to if you're selling dental tools to dentists all the, all, all the time all the parts of their business are, are really important and the things that are changing in their business are really important even if um it's not even the if it's not the part that you're involved with right like if you know orthodontics is changing and becoming more of a thing dentists do because of new technology that's in the market like you want to understand that as a seller, even if the thing that you sell is tooth whitening stuff. Um, you want to understand these other areas of their business and hear how they've how they've been successful, where they've stumbled, and then you can have deeper conversations with your customers about these. Uh, about you run into another customer who hasn't gone through this important change yet, or is struggling with some element, or changed it but did it wrong, and and you can help them see around the blind spots if you've talked to a hundred people about what's going on in the industry and, uh, you know, a hundred of your prospects and customers about how things are changing. You become the expert in their business because you have, you have more visibility into, into all their competitors and all their other people that are doing the same business. I mean, not, like dentists aren't really competitors usually unless they're like right down the street from each other, but like, and even then not really, but they, you know, they, if you've talked to the dentist in the town over and they just dealt with the same problem, that you can now be a real resource because to to your customers. So that's that's one thought that I have about how you can be more agile and how you can uh, how you can ac actually accomplish this more adaptable, more versatile. You know, you can really bring value to your to your customers. I like to think of that as applied intelligence. 
it's um it's it's taking what we know and what we've learned and to your earlier point where you said you know if if i focus in this area and i've worked with a hundred customers in this area or in like a related tangential area i now have this unique body of knowledge that my competitors perhaps don't have and what can i mine from that to bring a new way of thinking a, a provocative question a um a, a fresh idea that that my customer didn't have before that's taking everything i've learned and looking for ways to apply it it's a great example of agility because most people will just they 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 won't take the next step to take it and apply it and then use it as a new idea with a customer or a prospect if you do that you're standing out because most people don't do that. Yeah, uh, so important. And, and we, we talked a bit about being holistic, seeing the inter interconnectedness of everything. Um, you know, I guess what, what would you say, uh, what, what happens if you aren't holistic? What, what if you don't view things in terms of, of, in a whole holistic way, what are the sit? Are there like important signs that you might see that you're not being? I'm kind of this is kind of a leading question, but <laughs> one that I wanted to to address because I think it's important. Like what? Yeah. What? Tell me what happens. How can you tell if you're a sales manager that that your sales reps aren't being holistic? What are the signs that bubble to the surface? Mm, yeah. So there's probably a couple of different ways you could look at this. If if you if you turn the lens internally on your organization first. This is where a lot of the a lot of the cracks and sales structures appear. Um, so probably a very basic example is um, let's say that you are coming up on your sales year end. You've got a number to meet. You have a lot of deals uh, in the pipeline that are this close to closing. And in any other circumstance, you wouldn't necessarily offer a discount or an incentive to a customer to try to push that thing over the finish line for the end of the year or the end of the quarter. But you make some exceptions and you offer incentives or you offer discounts. So structurally what what you're now doing is you are the you're you're looking for one outcome which is hey I want to pull all these deals into the end of the year or the end of the quarter. Where you often, where, where the interconnectedness doesn't always get noticed, to answer your question, is the unintended outcomes of a decision like that. So if I'm a rep that's making that decision, an unintended outcome for me might be that I've now trained my customer how to behave. Or I now have, um, I have, may have pulled some deals less profitable to the bottom line of the organization or perhaps my commission check. If I'm a manager and I'm incenting that behavior across 10 reps, now I've just 10xed that potentially unintended outcome. So it's really asking the question, if I make this decision over here on this side, what are my intended outcomes? And what are perhaps my unintended outcomes that I'm not thinking about? And that's a hard question to ask of ourselves because we all have our blind spots. You may need to ask that question of somebody else. Help me think through this. What's an unintended outcome if I make this choice over here that I'm just not thinking about and what disconnect might I be causing? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's been one of my favorite parts of, of running my own companies that I started as opposed to working for big public companies is we, it, I, I used to be a slave to the quarter and the, you know, they love, you know, drag the deal in by trading off, trade off the revenue, like mm -hmm. give a discount, oh, yeah. drag it, drag, the, drag the deal into the quarter. Cause it's like, you know, one of the only levers you have, like, oh, you, you're not ready to do this, but I really would kind of want to make you, well, how about if I give it to you for a discount? Would that make you want to do it? If I make the discount I've been explode? There. <laughs> that, I, well, you, you, we both worked at IBM. <laughs> um, you know, that, it, that was one of my toughest things that I, one of the more annoying things as a sales rep was having managers that were, you know, who kind of forced you to drag things in. You're like, but it's worth so much more money. My commission's go, check's going to work the same next quarter. Like, I'd rather 
do this, you know, in two months for twice as much money. Um, being able to take that off the, uh, the table has been truly pleasant. And I think the things you're saying are so important to, uh, you know, to think about the, the unintended consequences and, and, uh, we can, it's, it's really the quarter. And I know, I know why quarters are important to public companies, but like, really, I mean, the next three years performance is more important. And by, by, uh, you really, I think you really, really collapse a lot of credibility by moving your price all over the board, depending on what time in the quarter it is or what time in the year it is. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you should price your price. You should price your product fairly and, and sell it at a fair price, no matter what the time. And, and, uh, it's been it's it's been nice for me to be able to, to be able to tell people at the end of the year who come to you and say hey because we you know not, not not only are we not offering it but like some people because Oracle and the likes of of those software companies have trained customers at the end of the year is a great time to get a discount on software they come to you and they're like hey we've got a little budget left over I'd love to if we can get this done now we can we can you know if we we only have this much money but we can do it now. It's great to be like, no, no, let's just wait for next year's budget and uh, we'll do it for what it's supposed to be done for. We're not in a hurry. <laughs> That's a different conversation too. And I think that also speaks to some of the mindset around sales, which is um, it, it's that idea of selling with that inner competence that says, you know, th this, is, this is really the business value of my product or my solution. And there's, let, let's talk about the value to you customer or prospective customer so that we're setting all the right expectations and you don't you don't have an air of desperation that says oh well if you wait until the end of the year i'm going to you know possibly negotiate a really good deal versus to your point um doing the right thing all the time and you you take that desperation off the table and i guess uh how can you talk about brand loyalty. How, how can a salesperson turn a satisfied customer uh, into, into a customer, take it to the next step of loyalty where they're just, they, you know, they have brand loyalty to, to your, your product. Yeah. If I were to just be very tactical with that um, and to just, just offer up a couple of basic strategies, I think sometimes we're looking for a really, really high level silver bullet around loyalty. And I do find that um, I have this conversation with my customers a lot, which is loyalty can be really challenging these days because there's, there is so much choice and it really is very easy for customers to, to switch many times or at least consider switching. Um, I, I always think about um, if, I, if you have 100 customers, at any given point in time, 25 of them, are open to switching to a new solution provider, which is both a little scary to think about, but it's also a really big opportunity, right? Because your competitors are likely dealing with, with something similar. But just very tactically, when you look, look at your best three customers, pick a small number that's manageable, look at your best three customers. And if you sat down with them and asked them, could you tell me a little bit about why you choose us, why you are loyal to us, if you're loyal to us, and what are two or three things I could do to maintain your loyalty? And if you have those two or three things that you know you could do to maintain their loyalty, now, of course, there's going to be uncontrollable things that happen from time to time. But when you know that and you have that information, you can then come back to those things couple times a year when you're doing your, your quarterly reviews or your twice annual reviews with your customers, here are the things that you said were most important. Let's talk about how I'm doing. Let's talk about how these are playing out specifically. It, it's a lot of those smaller details that we pay attention to that we can improve our odds of creating a really loyal client. And how do you consider the trade-off between the important how do you compare the importance of for salespeople between having the right mindset versus having a complete sales skill set? Oh, to me, the mindset is the most important thing that we own and our internal talk track 
is such a, it's such a critical contributor to our success. If I have somebody on my team, I'm working with a customer or whatever, where they have team members with the right mindset, I'm going to be able to teach them most of the skills, right? I'm going to be able to teach them at a minimum, the, the basic foundational skills. But I've also come across really skilled sales professionals. Um, they, they make their number. They, if you look at everything from the outside, they are by all accounts really successful. But their mindset is such that either they don't want to learn anything new, or maybe they have a, like a level of toxicity that they bring to their peers and their teams. And it's like, we all know these people, right? I can't change that. I might be able to have a crucial conversation with that person's leader or with that person individually, but I can't necessarily change that if it's embedded in them. So I, I really think the mindset comes before the skill sets. All right. And let's move into sales in 60 seconds. Quick questions, All quick right. answer. First question, your book is called The Modern Seller, but what about the modern buyer? How, how has the modern buyer changed from, uh, from the past? A lot of modern buyers have become more sophisticated um, before entering into sales conversations with us, and they expect more from us. So back to my earlier points about um, that kind of that, that road to a relationship from report a relationship goes through expertise. Their expectations of us are much higher, and we as sales professionals have to see ourselves differently and really to deliver to those higher expectations of the buyer. And what's the first thing salespeople should do when they experience a setback? I like to analyze the setback and look at the setback. And, and you might want some help with this. Get a peer, get someone you trust to help you analyze the setback. What went well? What didn't go well? And of the things that didn't go well, what is that telling me? What are the data points I can pull from that in order to get better? And then do your best to set it aside. We ruminate on setbacks way more often than we uh, celebrate our successes. So if you can master the skill of not ruminating on a setback, you're going to accelerate your results even better. And have a better life too. Right? <laughs> Truth. Well, doesn't the average person uh, spend one to two hours a night lying in bed, worrying and thinking and stressing? <laughs> Oh, I've not, I've not heard that number, but I believe it really. I, it's, it's... I, I heard that. I heard that stat and I'm like, yeah, sometimes. sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I can relate. Um, well, what's the best sales tool that modern sales reps uh, should take, should take advantage of? Oh, I, I think we touched on it, which is your mindset. Number one. And um, number two, I believe the skill set of prospecting and building new relationships. I was going to say mapping and routing software, but I am biased. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put that, that, that we'll put that at number three after my, my first two there. <laughs> Perfect. The right mindset and the right mapping software. Uh, <laughs> what, what's a, a key thing that modern sellers need to do well in today's climate? Mm, a key thing that modern sellers need to do well in today's climate. Um, I think you have to be highly organized and focused. We have so many things competing for our time and attention that our, abil our ability to focus is, um, it's, a it's a precious uh, commodity, precious skill set. And as an actionable takeaway, what is one thing that uh, salespeople listening today should do to start modernizing their selling techniques? Well, um, if I'm being really self-serving, I would say, please pick up a copy of The Modern Seller. But, uh, but, but after that, what, what, I, what I would say is um, have a conversation with your sales leader some, or someone else that you, that you really trust their opinion. and. Um, Ask them to give you an honest, uh, their honest viewpoints of your strengths and your opportunities. You might also uh, take, do, do some assessment work. Like you might take a formal assessment of some kind to really understand where your strengths and opportunities are. And then you can use that as a baseline to grow. Fantastic. Well, th this has all been so helpful, Amy. 
where can our listeners read more about your work? What's the best way to reach out to you, get to know you better? Yeah, so I will offer you up two resources. And first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, people can find me either at amyfranco.com or please feel free to uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, let me know, like, please let me know that you heard me on this uh, Outside Sales Talk podcast. All right, I'm going to try to summarize everything that Amy has taught us today. So first, use modern selling to continue to show value in a commoditizing market. Figure out which customers are the best fit for your solution. And instead of selling products, focus on a broader solution. A modern seller is a part of the value equation. The modern seller is agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and an ambassador. Become more agile by not getting too stuck in routines. Adjust changing times if you're not finding the same success that you that you once were. You can look to make uh, you can, can look to shift those habits. Look at patterns and see what part of the process isn't working anymore, and that that'll help you get out of any ruts. Work on your entrepreneurial mindset by breaking down your territory into into verticals and understand the key stakeholders within those verticals. Organize yourself better in order to know where to best focus your time. You can become more holistic by adapting to the way buyers buy and connect it to how your company works internally. And then you can look for those gaps. Salespeople can confuse relationships with rapport. You build relationships in sales by first understanding what's important to your stakeholders and then delivering on value. So, you know, first you get to know each other and build rapport, then you create value to build that relationship. Become an ambassador by bridging the gap between your customers and your organization. You want to build, build loyalty and you can turn small wins into bigger wins over time by building loyalty. Agility allows you to think on your feet and see into the future and around corners and, and help, our, help our customers understand what's coming down the line. You can use applied intelligence to take what you've learned and apply it to your discussions with your prospects and customers. Use the holistic approach to avoid unintended consequences by looking at the, the bigger picture. You can dive into loyalty by looking at your three best customers and ask them, why did, why did you choose us? Why are you loyal to us? And what can we do to maintain that loyalty? Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Really appreciate Amy being here. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. The number one route planner helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. Get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. If anyone can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the skills that Amy is taking the time to, tell, to teach us about today, share the love and forward this on to them. Take care.